It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns show that's at the Loyal Suns on all the social medias. Follow us there and follow us wherever you get your podcasts for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love basketball season and hate football season, this is the place for you. Loyal Suns show, safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix brought to you by Section 5. And this is episode 100 of the Loyal Sun Show. Triple digits. We've done it. Congratulations to us. We've we've gone through much adversity, many difficult times, and it's a, it's a hard should, knock life being a podcaster. We should all give ourselves a pat on the back. Talk about a roller coaster. I genuinely cannot believe we are still doing this. Yeah, I probably would have put the over under when we started at like eight and a half episodes that we'd get through. Yeah, and and now we are at over ten times that. Well over. Well over. And how how different of times that they are. When we started, our first episode was right before the first game of Kenny Pickett's Heisman campaign, ACC championship winning season, our 100th episode, we're staring down a Thursday night game against Boston College with a 2-8 and eight pit team. This could come maybe like as full circle as possible because that year, pit basketball, not good at all. Pit football, obviously amazing. Maybe the script is flipped, and this year we're going to get like a Bub Carrington like third place Naismith award. Well, first of all, don't sell bub short. Uh, we're going for that top spot, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's an inverse correlation between like how good we are at this and the, le- you know, the level of production that goes into it and Pitt's football success. So what I'm thinking is next season, if we want Pitt to not be dog shit, we need to go back to the three of us convening in my living room and putting like a broken $20 Amazon Basics microphone in a pint glass and shouting into it. If that's what it takes, we'll do it. Either that or just hit the transfer portal for a quarterback. A good quarterback in the transfer portal. We've hit it no. times the last couple of years. No, we gotta we gotta put the microphone in the pint glass. We'll we'll revisit that come next season, but I, I think we have to move on with the show. And I mean, this this is where this is where legends are made. How much can you talk about a two and eight football team? And keep people interested. So let's do our jobs. Dylan, I I know we talked about this beforehand and like, we don't love to do things on the fly, except for all the things we do on the fly. But like, 
in celebration of our 100th episode, can we at least start with basketball? We want to start start high and knock ourselves down a few pegs? We, we can start high. This is the direction high is. And then we take it down with football. And then we close out the show with some of our favorite memories from the last three years, the last 100 episodes. It's like how they tell you you should give someone bad news or like negative feedback, constructive criticism. Compliment criticism. Compliment the compliment sandwich. Let's do that, but with Pitt. Okay, let's do it. Great. Basketball. All right. Yeah. Pit basketball is 3 0. Hell yeah, brother. We've had two games since the last show. We were riding high after a blowout win in the opener. And since then, we have a 29 point win over Binghamton and a 12 point win over FGCU. Um, Binghamton game, like we said, 29 point win. A little shaky in the first half, but ultimately came out. Fire on all cylinders in the second half. Blake Henson finishes with 26 points. Bub has another big game. Uh, all around, guys look good. And I feel like it's going to be fresher in everyone's memory. We talk more about the FGCU game. Did you guys have anything you really wanted to touch on from the Binghamton game? Uh, an all-world cover from Bub Carrington. Well, well that was the FGCU game. Shut up. Okay. So we do want to move to the FGCU game. So uh, we're not going to skip to the end of the game when he covered. But uh, I was going to touch on the Binghamton game, just that we went into Oakland, had some beers beforehand, and walked up the hill for the for the Friday night contest. And tell you what, as much as I love tailgating, I love just being able to go head into Oakland find a bar, have a few beers, and walk right into the game. It's, yes. It's very easy, very low maintenance, and honestly a blast. So Love a good on-campus stadium. Great atmosphere on a Friday night, too. I know the game Monday night, the Monday night games don't get as great of attendance as you'd like to see, but Friday night, Pete was rocking against the Binghamton team that most people probably had never even heard of. So nature is healing. Raise your hand if you Googled Binghamton before, during, or after the game. Uh, I was kind of familiar with them. They've made the tournament in the past, and uh, Pet Cash on their team played for Pine Richland, so I was familiar with his game. But I, I couldn't point it out to you on a map. Someone told me, I knew it was in New York, but someone told me it's basically in Pennsylvania, just on the other side, into New York. Yeah, I think if you just mirror Scranton along the uh, Pennsylvania-New York state line, that's just what Binghamton is, which yeah, is, I guess, not cool. yeah, not high praise. Speaking of cooler schools, we're going to talk about Lob City, or Dunk City, sorry. Yeah, I, GCU. yeah let's touch on them. Uh, talk about the game a little bit. So definitely Pitt's most formidable opponent thus far. I'm a little disappointed. FGCU has really gone away from their roots, from the team that just had a bunch of high flyers dunking all over Georgetown in the tournament. Uh, now they, well, they came into the game shooting a ton of threes and then kind of switched up that game plan and were banging down low uh, with a few bigs who who played pretty well for them. But definitely... Pitt's most formidable opponent, and they, they made it interesting for a while. Yeah, it was a very, very needed win for many reasons. If Pitt basketball lost, our hopes and spirits were going to be crushed, and it's like, what else do we have if basketball wasn't good? So seeing Pitt take care of like a quality basketball team, they were picked to finish towards the top of their conference, consistently give teams games. They almost beat Indiana a couple of days prior. So this was the real test and they, they aced it. And th- there are a couple departments in which Pitt was kind of terbs. 
But at no point did it really feel like the game was ever in jeopardy. I know there were at least three points where I texted into the pit GM uh, getting pissed off. And I was. Rest assured, I was pissed off. But I was never afraid, you know? Like, like we couldn't hit a three, couldn't hit a foul shot, and yet we just kind of, I don't know, pushed this team onto the ground and held their head there until the clock expired. Yeah, it was... That's a good way to put it. Is like it it got interesting, but I also always felt like Pitt was in control. Like it felt like FGCU was punching up a couple weight classes, and they were keeping it interesting, hitting some shots, hitting some tough twos, and quite frankly, having a Pitt team not shoot the ball well and missed fourteen free throws, eighteen for thirty two, uh, only eight for twenty eight from three. I think they had only hit two at halftime, and they still had what, 42, 45 points on the board. Um, I mean, looking at the shooting splits, Pitt was able to shoot almost 50% from the field, 49% from the field. But like I said, 14 missed free throws, 8 for 28 from 3, and they still managed to put up 86 points. This team can just kind of figure it out, it feels like. I think the best part of this team is the number of guys that you can just give the ball and they'll figure it out. They'll make a play. They'll get a bucket. I don't think we're going to be seeing a whole lot of moments like we had in years past where things are looking good. And then what do you know? Five minute dry spell or there are zero points scored or Pitt goes like, Oh, of 10 from the field over a few minutes stretch. And then we're either out of the game. We blow a lead between Ish Leggett, Bob Carrington, Blake Henson, Jalen Lowe last night. They have enough guys that are good enough to get their own look or set somebody else up to where I don't think we have to worry about that a whole lot. And that's uncharted territory. Even last year's team better at it, but they would still have those little speed bumps. Yeah. You mentioned Jalen Lowe, his coming out party. Finally, I was, I was getting a little concerned. He had only had only two games into his young career, but things had not looked good for him. He looked a little hesitant. I wasn't shooting the ball. Well, couldn't buy a bucket against Binghamton. Literally, ball couldn't go in. They they goaltended his only his only two points of the game. But uh, to come out last night, score twelve points, and seven of those coming in a, in a stretch where Pitt really started to look like they might have a little bit of a dry spell offensively. Uh, Blake Henson was missing open shots that he typically won't miss. Uh, not getting those easy buckets that you were expecting. And then Jalen Lowe comes out and is just a spark plug. So I, I think that is probably the most promising thing to take from this game amongst amongst a lot of promising things. But I think the Jalen Lowe outbreak and kind of showing that he feels comfortable and looks comfortable at this level, uh, it's going to be needed this year because at some point Ish, Ish Leggett and Bob, one of those two will get into foul trouble will need Jalen to play extended minutes and knowing that he's comfortable running the show, going and getting himself a bucket, setting other guys up. I mean, the first real play he made of the game was the, he attacked left, drove baseline and then dropped it off to Guillermo for an easy dunk. Uh, that that was the first play that seemed like it really got him going and being able to run the offense. We're, we're going to need that from low this year. Do you guys remember what our biggest question mark was going into the season? I believe it was the point guard position. Those freshman mm-hmm. guards. Mm-hmm. Now we've got three. What became, what became of that? I think it's the strength now. We've got three legit playmakers. Bub Carrington. Gr- amazing decision maker off like the pick and roll. There was a couple stretches throughout the first three games where he's coming off of a screen. You know, they're swinging it back to Henson in the corner. Dropping it down low to Fetty, or he's just taking his own shot. So he's all ACC point guard in my eyes right now. He's he's a problem. But low and Leggett, if they can get that at a low and spurts, amazing. Ish Leggett, I didn't know he was a great playmaker like that too. He had a great assist to Fetty, a couple lobs. Another to Zach Austin. He threw a couple lobs mm-hmm. last night. 
Yeah, there's only so you much. See it. There's only so much uh, you can gain from those early season buy games in college football or basketball. Um, obviously, you hope to win. They're free wins, usually. Uh, you know, you hope no one gets hurt. You hope you beat the hell out of those teams as you should be. It's kind of a lose-lose, though, because, you know, it's like like I tell my dad whenever he wants to, to fight. Like, Dad, I'm either beating up an old man or getting beat up by an old man. That's the analogy I would use for these buy games. But there's, like, not really a ton you can take away from them unless you're winning by, like, 100. I will say, though, finding out in the first three games that the absolute biggest question mark about your team is unquestionably the strength of your team, that has to, aside from winning those three games handedly, that's about... as best case scenario as possible. And also for the record, I can beat up my dad. Hmm. Questionable. Sponsor of the show. Can't have the sponsors upset. So I'm going to side with your father here. Irregardless is like, you couldn't have scripted this up better. Everybody's asking about the young backcourt of the University of Pittsburgh. Well, not everyone, because even though we were awesome last year, we are once again an afterthought coming into this year. Uh, but Bob Carrington looks like he could legitimately be a first rounder in the upcoming NBA draft. And Low and Leggett are no slouches either. Like this, this is a legitimate threat in, in the front court. Is it backcourt? 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 This is why I usually let you guys talk during these segments. It's early. It's early. You still yeah. got you got to get back into basketball shape. Warming up. I, I think, Bub, we're going to talk about him endlessly this year. And I think the big surprise to me, I, I knew he could shoot it, but how how well he's been just running the show offensively. Squid, like you said, um, making good decisions. The, the dribble handoff stuff is very encouraging he's coming off these dribble handoffs making the right reads finding shooters finding big men rolling and then ish leggett being what i i don't know what i was expecting from him this year only got to watch some clips from twitter from youtube of his time at rhode island and i was like okay is this guy just gonna be a guy who can score for us offer us some additional scoring and that's going to be his role, but the FGCU game, he was the gutty veteran that this, this team needs. He was getting extra, extra possessions, uh, rebounding the basketball. He was setting guys up to score, get easy buckets. He was calming down the young guys late in the game. When we need, when things started to get a little bit of hectic, he was the one grabbing the ball saying, Slow it down. Let's get set. Let's get in the half court. And he is. I I know that he was considered going to be one of our better players this year. Maybe our number two guy behind Henson. He is everything and more in what you would want in a veteran guard, especially a team that lacks veteran guards. So I think he's just been about. I mean, Bub's obviously the big. Wow. I didn't know we had a first round pick playing point guard. Uh, but Ish like it's easily that number two for me for these early season games. Like you were saying, David, what can you get from it? I'm seeing that we have a guy who who looks like he could have played on the Jamie Dixon era of Big East, Big East basketball teams. My comparison for Ish Leggett is everything we would have wanted Trey McGowan's to become and more type of that, like slashing, playmaking, like two guard. But I think you hit it on there, Dylan. He doesn't flinch whenever things get tough. He came out of the game. Uh, he had a really great assist early on coming into the second half. FGCU was within single digits. Throws back-to-back lobs. End of the game. We had that bad stretch where uh, FGCU kind of made it a game. Ish gets the ball, gets a bucket, gets fouled. Jamari's Burton-esque bucket. I would, mm-hmm. I will say. JB was that guy last year who, if the other team went on a run, it's like, okay, what, give me the ball. Let me go get us a bucket. We need one right now. 
and you're just back in business. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable game from Leggett. I mean, he had a double-double against Binghamton, um, but the FGCU game was really the game where I was like, wow, this guy is is good, and he is ready to play in the ACC. Um, one more guy that we would be remiss to not discuss, and I think I may owe a bit of an apology to, um, Will Jeffers. Will Jeffers only scores two points, five rebounds last night. If you look at the box score, someone will be like, well, I mean, he, he didn't do much of anything. Will Jeffress had as much of a hand in that uh, closing out that game in the second half as anyone on the team. Uh, there were multiple possessions, four by my count, that defensively Will Jeffress basically took over. And it's hard to dominate a basketball game. It's really, really hard to dominate a basketball game on the defensive end, and it'd be very apparent to everyone watching. But any any FGCU player who tried to go at Jeffress just had absolutely no chance. Uh, they looked like they were basically dribbling against Kawhi Leonard. Like, Will was not letting up an inch. Uh, multiple possessions that a steal from him or a forced a steal that directly resulted in the two points for Pitt. That was impressive. And that was very, very promising for what he can do for them this year. Because if Will Jeffress is your seventh, eighth, ninth guy in your rotation, you're in good shape. You played a lot at the four. There are a lot of lineups where they would take Fetty out, one of the twins in and, uh, like Zach Austin and Will with them. And they're all athletic enough to fly around, close out, switch, rebound, all that. And it was just crazy because they kept them out there. Like It seemed like the whole second half, Jefferson didn't come out. And he wasn't doing anything on offense except one possession where he hit that little close range, like fading jumper. Outside of that, he didn't think about doing anything on offense. And had a very positive impact on the game, which is exactly what we want from him. It's like, well, if I'm capable, I'll tell him there's going to be like two, maybe three opportunities for you to like, catch and shoot, get a put back, something on the offensive end. You just worry about like this dude, like this dude is killing us. You're on him. If we didn't do that, I'll be a Will Jeffers fan. He had he had a couple offensive rebounds too, or just plays where he's crashing the glass, and you can you can tell like that's a guy that teams are gonna know that you have to box him out, or he's gonna get pit extra possessions. He had a possession yesterday where he grabs the offensive rebound, pulls it out, gets it to a guard, and they went and got a bucket. So it's it's those winning plays that you need from a, a glue guy like that, and I think some people probably still judge him against what he was once as a recruit, a top 100 guy, a pretty big get at the time. And he came to campus. He was 17 years old, his first year playing college basketball. I mean, this is his fourth year at Pitt, and he's not even 21 years old yet. And you can tell he's starting to develop. He looks like a grown-ass man out there. And he is a guy who absolutely can help Pitt this year. I do slightly worry about the liability he can be on the offensive end. But like we said, if he can be a guy who offensive rebounds, he's a guy who can clean up putbacks, um, maybe even be be a bit of a screen and roller for them with, with his athleticism. If he can give them anything offensively, he he's definitely a, a net positive uh, based on how, how much he's able to affect the game on the defensive end. You know who else was a liability on offense? Who? Ben Wallace. And yet the Detroit Pistons still won an NBA championship. Are you suggesting Will Jeffers gets a giant afro like Ben Wallace? Yes. I think I'm in favor of that as well. So looking ahead, we've got Jacksonville at home on Friday. That should be similar to NCA&T Binghamton game. We're just going to show up for one on my 20. But after that, Florida, Baylor, Oregon State, Missouri, 
Clemson, West Virginia. We're going to find out about this team real quick. Our hopes are way up here. Could get even higher, but hopefully uh, they do. Yeah. Question. Is it weird that we're playing Clemson this early and in the middle of a bunch of non-conference games? Uh, There's usually one of these a year. Usually a one-off that we play pretty early. I mean, we opened with Florida State a couple years ago, remember? It seems like there's usually one, maybe two, ACC games in December. Then you mix in like a a cakewalk around Christmas time and then like New Year's Eve day. Where's the Sun Bowl? That's whenever you, you hit the ground running. Yeah, December 30th. Uh, last year was against UNC. This year we have Syracuse on the 30th. So get into ACC play, but not to get ahead of ourselves. But yes, we'll, we'll probably find out a lot about this team in the next two weeks. And you, since you do have that kind of the season broken up like that, um, you know, you'll go back over winter break with a with a few of the mid-major, low-major teams again. But hopes are high in Oakland for pit basketball right now. And we need them more than ever because, uh, well, you know why. Permission to filibuster football real quick? Go for it. What do you guys want to see in our upcoming game against Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Uh, the Dolphins. The Fighting Dolphins of Jacksonville. <laughs> the Jacksonville Dolphins. Sure. Why not? What do you need to see against the Jacksonville Dolphins to feel really good? We feel good now, but I mean really good going into the meat of our non-conference schedule. I'd like a good Twins game. Uh, so far this year, uh, Jorge had a big game against NCA&T. Hasn't done much since. Uh, Guillermo had a had a double-digit game against Binghamton, uh, but against FGCU, he really struggled. Probably the worst I've seen him play since early in his freshman year. So I'd like to see both of the twins have a solid showing. They they don't have to score ten and ten. Uh, they don't they don't have to do anything crazy. But I'd I'd really like to see them both just get some confidence going because I, I do think we're going to need both of them as the season goes on, especially Guillermo uh, to to spell Fetty or if Fetty gets into foul trouble, being able to eat up those minutes. Um, and Jorge, I mean, we've seen flashes of it, but I'd like to see those two get into a rhythm here. I'll keep mine simple. Shoot free throws better. We're currently 321st in the country in free throw percentage at 59%, which I feel like all three of us could step up to a free throw line in an empty Peterson event center gym and go, 59 for 100. Usually I hate when people say stuff like that. Like, oh, I could have made that pass. I could have made that catch. I could have made that shot. No, no, I agree with you. I really do think, especially the three people sitting here right now, could go over 60% shooting foul shots. But no, I agree with both of you. Um, I actually thought of both of those things, but more specifically, I really need to see something from the bigs because it felt like at points even Fetty was getting pushed around a little bit. Um, And uh, to tie your two things together, Pitt went uh, 18 for 32 from the line. Uh, The Diaz, Grams, and Fetty went a combined one for eight. So if you're wondering what brought the average down, it's that they're heavily involved in the offense. They're going to get fouled. They're going to get sent to the line. I I need to I need to see improvement from the charity strike from those three guys and a little bit of improvement on defense as well. Yeah, part of the defense, Fetty will probably take the the brunt of the criticism because he's the one getting scored on. But a lot of guys are getting blown by. And Fetty is just kind of scrambling to try to clean it up. So mainly Blake Henson. We know what he is on offense. On defense, there's a lot to be desired. So got to move them puppies, Blake. Yeah, 
I think overall the team's been impressive defensively, scrambling around, oh, yeah. switching. There have been a lot of like really awesome, like full 30 second defensive possessions, but at times it's like, well, that was too easy. We're too good of a team to be letting this happen. So clean it up. Maybe against a real team, they'll be a little bit more locked in, but. Yeah, we'll just see. blow out Jacksonville on Friday, and then next week is when it starts to get really fun. I just started a 10-minute timer, and we are simply not giving this football team a second longer. This goes off. We're done. Okay, so and let's I- start quickly because we need to address some things from the Syracuse game, but was that more embarrassing than losing by 51 to Notre Dame? Uh, full disclosure before we start talking about it. I was at a wedding on Saturday, fall weddings for the win. Keep them coming. Uh, so I watched probably 20 total plays from this game off and on. And after the Vayer pick six, I had watched zero. Uh, and I thought about watching the condensed game today and I didn't. So there's that. Well, for Syracuse's offense, you don't need to see the condensed game. If you saw one drive, you saw everything. Oh, I saw the box score. I'd be curious to know how many different plays they actually ran. Because after a while, it's like, yeah, we're snapping for the tight end and he's going to run forward. And it worked. Yeah, Dylan, if you uh, like ever had to watch an educational movie in middle school about the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, you pretty much have the gist of this. Just um, It was just a massacre out there, man. It was so bad. We played a single-A team that had one good player and gave it to him every play, and it worked. Well... To be fair, Clariton won like 60 straight games running what Syracuse ran. Um, but that's because they were massively more talented than the teams they played. That was Tyler Boyd. They had they had Tyler Boyd taking those direct snaps and running against kids at like 50-person Catholic schools. like Like schools that could barely field a team. Full. And that's what Syracuse did to the University of Pittsburgh without Tyler Boyd. I'm certainly not comparing Dan Villari to Tyler Boyd, but that's a name that Pitt fans won't forget for a long time. Um, Yeah, he looked like Cam Newton at Auburn. It was absurd. Narduzzi played the card that we didn't expect this offense to be ran, so they caught us off guard when we tried to adjust Spare, the fly. Man. What's there to adjust to? They ran three plays. It's like the triple option from the shock with the tight end. How do you not stop it? So I, I, I hated that excuse. Like, oh, we weren't ready for it. Because at the time, I was like, they're running the wild cat. There's like only two things you can do out of that. You should have figured this out on the fly. And then Pitt immediately figured it out or at least appeared to after Narduzzi said that to the sideline reporter. So they figured it out. They knew it was coming. Syracuse didn't do a single thing different the rest of the game. We took the lead and then Syracuse kicked the shit out of us. There was a point we were at the bar. We, we held down a shift all day at the bar. And there was a point where we were all like complaining, rightfully so. But I spoke up. I was like, you guys realize we're winning right now. Kind of funny. And then after that moment, I could not think of a positive play in Pitt's favor at all. So I think that was the most embarrassing game of Narduzzi's tenure. And there were a pretty big amount to choose from. Pick your poison. I think that was the most embarrassing. Just the way it happened. Such a weird game. And we got curb stomped by a stupid team in a stupid baseball stadium. I think there have been a million more embarrassing games, but this one was special. Um, You've heard all the hilarious insult stats at this point. Uh, 
their leading Syracuse leading passer was a tight end who threw for 12 yards. Uh, their leading receiver was their starting quarterback who had one catch for six yards. And then they ran for almost 400 against us. Um, the defense looked abysmal. Vayer looked really bad. Uh, Hammond didn't look good. Let's stop trying to run these read options. It's clear that Christian Vayer and Rodney Hammond cannot hold on to the ball. Another, uh, just another masterclass Frank Signetti game of what on earth are we doing? Nothing is working. How is not a single thing working? <laughs> How do we not have a plan B again? How do we keep losing? So, what the, is plan the, A though? Well, okay, so we talk all the time about um, the Frank Signetti genius game plan of the week. Um, was this one just read options? Like Notre, Notre Dame was the triple option. We've seen pass every play. We've seen run every play. We've seen four verts every play. I couldn't even tell you. Wildcat every play. I saw on one of those message board genius posts, somebody on Panther suggested we use like chat GPT or like some sort of AI model to call plays for us. And I was like, yes, I, I would sign up for that. What do we have to lose? Uh, Pat Narduzzi is absolutely putting a computer monitor through like <laughs> one of those yellow Acrisure seats. The second they throw a ball on first down. That would be an all-time so, relationship. So maybe no to AI. I don't think Dews doesn't strike me as the guy who's on the cutting edge of technology. Anything else from that game? How much time do we have to talk about Boston College? Three minutes in 19, 18, 17, 16. Mm-hmm. Thursday night game against Boston College for a 2 and 18. Will 10,000 people show up? Are we talking in actuality or the announced attendance? Because the announced attendance is going to be like 40,000. Uh, they'll say there's... 40. Actual fans. No. It's senior night, so maybe some extended family members will come in there and make it look like it's not completely empty. What a shitty senior day. Dude. Thursday night, Boston College. Haven't won a game. And it and it sucks too because there's seniors on this team who played like a pivotal role in winning an ACC championship. Like Marquez Williams is gonna have to walk on this senior day in front of five thousand people on Thursday night, despite being a starter on the best pit team in the last half of his life on this team. Yeah. Devin Danielson. I mean, he's a guy who's played here for six years. He, Jake Cradle, protected Kenny Pickett. Jake Cradle. Uh, Rodney Hammond scored a touchdown. Oh wait, he's not a senior. Never mind. Yeah, this is probably his last home game at Akershore Anyway, fair enough. Senior day is weird. Like, who's walking? Some of these guys can come back still. We'll see. Is Phil walking? Is Phil playing? That brings up another good question. Who plays quarterback the most? Okay, if you could vote right now, who do you want starting quarterback Thursday? Who who are we going to vote or who do we think? That's actually, we should, that'll be good for the, uh, the sports book. The sports book that we don't do on the show anymore because this team sucks so bad it's not worth 20 minutes. Right. Uh, well, I vote Phil. Just for the comedic possibilities. It's against his old team, Boston College. It's senior day. For entertainment value, I'd say yes, because it'd be funny if he played well and he'd be like, oh, why'd you bench the guys? Would have won all those games for us. No. Um, I don't know. 
Christian Veyer not being able to hold on to a read option all year has irked me a lot. I'm, I'm not selling my stock on him, but I say we trot out Nate Yarnell and let him start this one and see what happens. And then we can always go back to Veyer off the bench. I agree. We aren't going to get a good look at, at Yarnell against Duke because Mike Elko will probably scheme up something sweet and he would get killed. So it would be not a, you know, a, a great perception of him. This is the last chance to get to see a new quarterback against a terrible team and time. All right. Predictions. Nope. I said time. I don't even want to predict shit for this game, man. I'm, I'm so done. I am so done. See you Thursday. 35-7 Boston College. (laughs) (laughs) This very special edition of Final Thoughts is brought to you by Guerrera Law. Squid, what is the best and worst thing that happened to you this week? I had a few parlays this week. A couple pit basketball ones, a couple NFL ones. So that would be the best, uh, the worst. Uh... I lost my AirPods officially. Tried to find them, gave up looking for them. They're gone forever. Yeah, those things were made to be lost. Well, I mean, it, at least you can pay for new ones with all of your gambling, yeah, gambling winnings. Um, and you know why that is, Squid? Because life is full of ups and downs. You know, sometimes, sometimes you're winning all of your bets. And sometimes you get killed by a bad beat, but unfortunately, you you can't you can't sue a sports book for a bad beat. But you can find yourself proper compensation uh, if you are hurt in an accident, and you reach out to our guy Guido Guerrera. Uh, you can contact Guido at four one two 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 nine seven seven five seven, or go on his website. GuerreraLaw.com, G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W dot C-O-M. He will help turn your losses into an ACC championship win. He's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio, based here in Pittsburgh. So, uh, gentlemen, I, I, I give you a special prompt today, as opposed to just kind of talking about... Uh, you know, some random BS that happened in our lives or in college football or sports in general. Um, why, why don't we all share, since it is the 100th episode of the Loyal Sun Show, your favorite memory from the last 100 episodes, the last three years that we have spent covering Pittsburgh sports. Who wants to kick us off? Don't want you go ahead. I'll take it. Um, it was hard to pick just one because we've seen an ACC championship in football, a lot of success in football. We've seen Pitt make it back to the tournament. So I I had to pick a day where we got the best of both worlds. Uh, December 30th, 2022 last year was just a loaded Pitt sports day. Started the day heading up to the Pete at noon for Pitt UNC. And Pitt beat UNC. And I think UNC was ranked 25th at that point. Pitt was coming off a win recently against UVA. So that felt like the first day where we could really say Pitt was back. Pitt basketball, that is. So that was big. And then hopped in the car and rode down to Archie's to watch the Nick Patty show. And watch Nick Patty lead a game-winning drive and win the Sun Bowl. And wasn't just that I got to watch a pit basketball and a pit football win. They were both great. But just the excitement in Archie's when when the Sun Bowl victory happened, the excitement I saw in the Pete. Uh, that was one of the peaks of like the pit fan experience for me was just seeing how many people rallied that day. Uh, day before New Year's Eve, uh, everyone, it's, the, it's that in-between time between Christmas and New Year's that no one's really working. And we all just got together and spent our day together watching Pitt get a couple W's. I think I want a Pitt money line parlay at like it's like mm. plus five hundred that day. So yeah. I want some money. 
underdog pit parlay against two ranked teams. How could we forget that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Archie's was an elite watching experience. If you were like watching security camera footage and Archie's and didn't see the TV, you would think that we were like watching a team win the Super Bowl. Uh, everyone was all in. Patty's last hurrah made it extra special. He was on the show the week before. He told us he was going to leave it all out there, empty the chamber, and that he did. So that made it even more magical, watching a pit man get out there, bring him a W. Many beers were had. I also think that was the first time we really rallied people to come watch with us. And it was mm-hmm. it was fun to see how many people. The first watch them. party, yeah. Oh, it was packed. And I'm so excited to go back to Archie's for a couple of away games this year. Shout out to Archie, an early adopter of the Loyal Sons, and just an all-around great dude. Squid? So mine isn't like a moment like Dylan's, but it's a memory, and it made... I would hope that our podcast would still take off if this didn't happen, but watching Pitt have their best season of the 2000s, the first year we started this was easily the coolest thing. We had the Twitter for a while. We were in the whole mode, like, should we make a podcast? Why not? Let's give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? Nobody listens. We give up. And Kenny Pickett does Kenny Pickett things, win a whole lot of games, win the ACC. What a magical ride that was. And I think the fact we started that season was unbelievable. And all the feel like we had a small piece of small part in, in that success. Yeah. That's, that's the cool thing about like, to me, the coolest thing about doing the show has been actually feeling like we're a small part of pit athletics, like getting that access, learning shit about, you know, college athletics. We didn't, know before i mean think of like the nfl players the the childhood heroes we've had on the show specifically that season i mean jordan addison's in the nfl servassier dennis is in the nfl lou polite came on chevy i mean these are now we're talking about different years but still like chevy troutman bill hillgrove let's go name a bunch of them deon hayes david hale Elijah's ice three times. Jay Hello. Nick Patty. Yeah. Kenny Pickett in spirit. Yeah, one of the other cool ones. Well, let's talk about the guests here for a second. We had John Morgan in on David's couch breaking down a film from the backyard <laughs> brawl win. Who would have thought we'd ever be doing that? Yeah, it was a fun one. I, no, I didn't know if I was supposed to like put out food or something or if that'd be like an impermissible benefit, but that was cool. That film breakdown was sweet. Okay. I cheated Eric that in a moment. The one if I had summarized it in one moment was the Kenny Pickett giant cardboard cutout that we had at all the tailgates throughout that whole season. Just tell people, look for the giant Kenny Pickett cutout. That's our tailgate. Show up. Have a good time. Taking that to Charlotte, bring it into the stadium. Dylan almost like halfway getting thrown out for holding it up and then stealing it back. Uh, and Pitt outscoring Wake Forest like 24 to nothing after that got stolen. It was the universe. And then celebrating the bar with the Kenny Pickett cardboard cutout after winning the ACC. So, yeah. That's a great one. What a journey. So mine's mine's going to sound a little vain at first, but um, I promise there's a point to it. Mine was uh, the first time that someone recognized me and walked up to me in a at a non-pit event and told me that they loved the show. Uh, I was at Wonderworks, the music festival in Hampton this past May, and... Uh, my my girlfriend and I were going to get more of those. The like, Venn diagram of people who attended that event and the people who 
follow pit football can't be that large is it you would be surprised there were a few kenny pickett jerseys at that event wow you'd be surprised yeah we were going to get like the 20 dollar white claws and this guy stopped me and was like hey love the show held a pit and i was like oh that's awesome thanks man like glad you listen have a good one and my girlfriend stops him and goes wait you listen to him in your free time, and you you recognize him from listening to like kind of made this guy feel like a loser for listening to the loyal sons. And that was that was funny and all, but like it was very weird to be recognized from doing this because I genuinely never thought that we would break 50 listeners. Like I, I remember distinctly having that thought of like, man, if we ever got a hundred listeners on a show, that'd be unbelievable. And now like Thousands of people spend their their Monday morning commute to the office with us, us absolute idiots talking about pit sports. And, you know, we it's just awesome that, you know, people kind of come along for the ride. Yeah, the highs, the lows. I think one of the funniest interactions I remember is somebody at a tailgate coming up to us and saying his favorite moment of listening to our podcast was the intro after he lost to Western Michigan. And I was like, you sicko. <laughs> but he's like, no, dude, it was, it was like what everyone was thinking. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be the voice of the people. Yeah. I think you meant millions of people who spend their time with us, David, but semantics millions. Yeah. It's, it's always fun talking to people who listen to the show. Um, people who appreciate what we do on Twitter, whatever it may be. It's like I always end up having these conversations with people and they're like, oh, you're one of the little sons. Yeah, that's great. And I'm just like, man, that warms my heart because sometimes I'm like, what the hell are we doing on Sunday afternoons after hungover after we watch Pitt lose to Syracuse? So, Can I share my least favorite memory? Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave out a lot of the details here, but waking up on David's couch with pink eye checking my phone and seeing Charlie Partridge DM us saying that what we ch- tweeted was untrue and that we should delete it. Yeah, that was, that was the day we stopped breaking news. We're not reporters. We're not journalists. Yeah, we learned. We're not role models. Learned a hard lesson that day. Happy we were wrong, though. Yeah, good times. Good times. Yeah, Squid, that was that was a tough one. Highs and lows, ups and downs, call Guido. But uh yeah, fellas, it's it's been a hell of a ride. This is definitely my favorite thing that I do with my personal time. And uh the last one hundred episodes have been a blast, as I'm sure the next one hundred will be. Well, Appreciate everyone who's listened, whether you've here, been here from the beginning or this is the first time you're checking in. Uh, as always, hail, loyal sons of Pittsburgh. Who's going to be the head coach of the football team in episode 200? Dun, dun, dun. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.